0: Welcome to Asian Pacific Voices Radio, where you'll find stimulating conversations that explore diverse topics and stories impacting our communities. I'm Rasha Goel, your host, and joining me today is our special guest, Unsu Jung. Hello, Unsu, How are you?
1: Hi, Rasha. I'm doing great. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having
0: me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Let me tell you a little bit about Unsu. Eunsoo uh, is known as Korea Angry, who is a South Korean who immigrated to the United States in 2001. She's currently a comics artist and color designer in animation based in Los Angeles, California. Her zine series Korea Angry addresses issues of racism, sex, uh, sexism, excuse me, xenophobia, immigration and mental health as a Korean American living in the United States. I love that you are so vocal um, in expressing your thoughts about these topics. Now, you were born in South Korea, and you moved here when you were 13. But what's really interesting is you lived here as an undocumented immigrant for a while. So talk to me about that. You were in San Francisco, correct?
1: Yeah I first immigrated to United States when I was 13 year 2001. I came to United States uh, because my mom sent me uh, one way to get to the United States thinking that I would have a better chance of living here. and um, basically it was I was here as a tourist visa and I overstayed in the visa and I became undocumented, which I did not know at the time. As I was graduating the high school and applying for art uh, scholarships, that's when I found out what undocumented status was and that was me. And that's quite common in a lot of undocumented immigrants to find out their status that way. Um, I was really lucky enough to attend School of the Arts in San Francisco uh, through the audition process. Um, But because I found out my status, I couldn't really continue my art education in private art colleges. So I decided to attend more practical um, education in state university. At that time, there was a law called AB 540 that allowed undocumented immigrants to attend state university for in-state tuition. So I attended the Santa State University that had animation major.
0: Oh, that's, that's so interesting. You know, I wanna ask you before we get into some of the career stuff, how did that impact you mentally because i can imagine there's different things that came with that and then was there even shame around that for you
1: yeah absolutely i think that i didn't really form my identity as as an korean american or asian american for the longest time because i felt like my undocumented identity was my identity, and because I didn't see many Asian American undocumented um, friends, or and haven't had any chance to meet someone like that, I felt great shame. And um, my immigrant status did bring a lot of shame in the family. So I felt like I always had to hide myself. Um, I felt like I had to really careful about what I say, what I don't say. And I think that in, when I think about it. Probably those years of like shame and guilt and all this uh, feeling has built up to explode, (laughs) which is became my project. um, Now I think of it.
0: Oh, how interesting. Let's talk a little bit about growing up in San Francisco. You know, you came from Korea, you went to school out here. What were some of the challenges, especially when you look at the cultural aspect with the languages, or, you know, what was life back? then what was life like back then for you? And then how'd you overcome some of the challenges?
1: I don't think I quite fully overcame the challenges. I, as an, like, I still think that I have those like traumatic experiences that I still live, live with today. But if I think of it, things were very different back in 2001. Um, it was like the whole big talk of North um, Korea, South Korea thing happening. And so I felt like, I saw my identity as an Asian person being like mocked and um, being ridiculed at, kind of. The whole climate change of like how we see Koreans and how we see Asians were very different, especially in middle school. Kids are tough, man. Like I was in ESL and they were not friendly to non-English speaking, kind of fresh off the boat, um, like Asian girl, which is me. So that was really tough. And I think a lot of that mixed with my guilt and shame about like toward on, I felt like I had a really hard time talking about um, my mental health or like even just to express like why I feel certain way. Um, And I still kind of have that like ongoing. So it's not, it's not like I overcame. I think I still live with it. I just live with it better.
0: I I want to commend your vulnerability and sharing that with me because I think that it's hard to talk about these things sometimes. But I know that having this conversation with you will hopefully shed some light on anybody else that is experiencing the similar things. And I think, you know, many of us who've come from immigrant families, we do deal with challenges that are ongoing. Like you said, it's not really easily overcome. There's always one thing that impacts another, and and we're trying to figure that out. I'm. I, I'm taken by your artistry and uh, what you've been able to create and, and how you continue to create. Let's talk about uh, moving to Los Angeles after you graduated from SJSU. You worked, you've worked. you worked at some amazing companies like Nickelodeon, DreamWorks, um, Titmouse Animation. So what was it like working at those big studios and the opportunities there? Um, when I first
1: started, came to Nickelodeon, um, I was at that time still undocumented and I was only able to take the internship because back then Nickelodeon animation studios didn't pay interns. So I didn't really have to prove anything. And once I got the, internship i was kind this is like a kind of a blessing in a disguise because of, before all this animation studios work i've always worked under the table kind of job i mean obviously for my status being but i had to make an end to meet so it was a lot of physical labors and the things that are nothing related to the animation so moving down la was like let me let's give it a shot but i really don't know what's going to happen afterwards that was the same year that 2012 Obama's DACA program Um, although he didn't he wasn't the reason why it passed that program has passed where Uh, undocumented young immigrants like me could apply for this temporary relief called deferred action, early action for a childhood arrival, which will guarantee like two years of a work permits and two years of like identification. You have to renew it every two years and there's certain quota. But anyways, I would, I applied this as I was moving down LA on the mega bus and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And toward the end of internship, literally three days before um, the studio wanted to hire me as a production assistant, my paper came and that was my first time. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe after so many years in this country, more than 13 years, I can finally have my bank account. I can finally have like social security identification. I was in like a late twenties at that time. So it felt like the job started the actual job started with like my adulthood of like everything which was a little bit overwhelming and from Nickelodeon production assistant I tested out to become an artist at that time and from artist position I was able to like hop around in different projects and studios. Animation studios has been great. It's been really fun and exciting It also feels a little bizarre because I I used to live a life that's completely not an entertainment business. So it's like, I can't believe I'm actually here, but also like, it's really overwhelming at times too.
0: I love your tenacity though, to still pursue your art, you know, even dealing with these different hardships and and having to take these odd jobs and, and just working through it. So it's incredible. And I wanna, you know, before I get into your, your other series, but just rattling off some of the titles here, like Sanjay and Craig, I'm familiar with that. Archibald's Next Big Thing, Cleopatra in Space, Pinky Malinky, Shimmer and Shine, like so many incredible titles here that you've been able to work on. So congratulations on that. Let's talk about your series, Korea Angry. What inspired you to come up with this title? And what does it signify or represent to you? yes
1: um my Korean angry series is like my baby project um that i've been doing since 2016. it wasn't it didn't come from such a joy necessarily at that time it was kind of like i am so frustrated with the world that's happening this was back in 2016 and i was constantly like suffering depression and nightmares and because of my undocumented traumatic experiences i felt like i just had it enough um the trump just got elected so i started writing down some of the things that was making me agitated or anxious and nervous most of all angry like what are all these points that were just making me really angry and it kind of gave me a, a chance to reflect on some of the points that i've never really articulated before and through kind of like Doing a multiple iterations of like designing of this character, I wanted to completely come up with a character that just looked like just angry and pissed off um, without like any like, question. Like you can see the character that just got the thick eyebrow and is just really upset, and I just didn't want it to have to explain why I'm angry. So I started like think about all these other ways to. Uh, have this name what it what could be so it just combined a korean and angry together which just became korean angry
0: angry now you said there were some points that came up for you can you touch upon one or two of those points that came up for you that impacted you like the angry points of those times yes the angry like you said in in doing this process you were even reflecting on some things that came up for you right
1: right yeah i mean there was so many like well first of all i was really sick of like weird like work related issues, like the status, um, some of the, you know, um, sexual commentary that I have received for many years. Um, I just think that it was just like, sometimes it's a big, and sometimes it's a micro scale that I think it contribute to a lot of, um, like angry anger issues like it can be just little as like people just throwing comments when you're walking the street and i was just like why am i putting up with it i think i was angry at myself for putting up with it for so long that that i was angry at my family members not telling me how to navigate those moments i was angry and some of the teachers who say some really like fucked up stuff um i mean i was angry at a lot of different things (laughs) yeah yeah so I felt like I think it was just like a combination of things that I just didn't realize um, that these are legitimate reason to be upset about and just because I didn't even know how to identify my anger for so long um, that I just like had it enough and, and I also didn't want it to be just like so bad like so like down and sad about it i fought, i wanted to find some kind of humor in this anger too and that's why i think i chose my medium as a comic because it's like i'm pissed off but i find some of this pissed off moment to be somewhat funny or try to find a kind of like light moments of it so i wanted to just kind of keep that state
0: Interesting. And who who would you say are your main readers or followers with this series?
1: I've actually traveled
0: quite different um,
1: states and different places. And I saw a lot of different type of variety of people. And those audiences are very different than online audiences. So I don't know who follows the online and physically. (laughs) But when when I go to physical events, I think that the audiences are really buried. Some people are mostly the Asian like woman, uh, woman identifying identities, really, really like, I feel like this is me. Um, and even though we don't live in a California or in LA, like some folks would just be like, I I'm, I'm not you, but this is just literally my story. Or like sometimes I'll get connected to people who are also undocumented, happen to be undocumented Asian API groups would like connect me. I feel like I've feel like i've been heard um so there are just so many like identities that come across my work that can relate to it and i thought about this recently i think it's because we are a lot similar than we we think and that anger and frustration points are i think kind of universal and similar or i think that's i think that's why the audience is just so like different sometimes
0: and diverse would you um, ha- would you say that you, have you ever considered working with entertainment companies in Korea? I mean, we've seen such an influx, right, of talent coming out of Korea as well that has been noticed in America. Is that something, an option that you would ever um, look into? Honestly, I
1: would love to, but... You'd be surprised I get so many haters from Koreans in Korea for, yeah. That's like hardest haters I actually would have to work with because I can read and write. And those hate comments, like it's incredible uh, amount of hate comments. And messages I receive are from Koreans uh, in Korea, actually. And that's, that has been making it really hard for me at times because I... I don't know how to deal with it honestly, and I get a little sadder to. It's a little sadder to read or um, get a pushback from your own
0: communities or your own people sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh my God, like that's just adding another layer to the mental health for you. <laughs> um, I could I could see all the different uh, inspirations that come to you through your character. You know, who would you say has been your source of inspiration, though, and why?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, my inspirations are all the other angry moms and angry Koreans who are alongside me, both angry about. I think that, like, I didn't even think that I would be able to talk to other Korean-Americans about certain issues, but... I start because of my work I was able to connect to a lot more Korean American folks and through I realized that like we also have very multiple like crossover that we feel certain frustration about it and that has been a huge inspiration for me like to know that like I'm not the only one feeling this way I must like there's someone else so those inspirational like my inspiration comes from those the who, uh, who I can identify with who is also angry
0: and, and so what what advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into animation? Because I can imagine it's gotten very competitive creatively.
1: Yeah, animation is such a it's really, really competitive and it has become very very interesting industry at the moment, um, because it's definitely up and down, up and down. And like I wanna say that if this is like what you wanna do in animation. I think that you kind of have to ignore those, like, adversaries, I don't know, (laughs) Um, like the hardships that may come with it, because there's a lot more, and what I want to tell the students or people who want to get animation is, like, I think to focus on why you want to do animation, rather than all this like news or updates about that is discouraged. It may seem like a discouraging. There are a lot of animation folks who are doing a lot of good work and we are shifting the narrative where we're, we're pointing, we're picking or choosing to have like more diverse stories. So I feel like it's been like very interesting to see the whole different climate of animation. And, but, and I really suggest that to kind of keep going move forward with your initial purpose and desire to do it, why you want to focus on animation.
0: Oh, that's a, I love that you, you mentioned that. Um, are there, what what else are you working on at this time?
1: Um, I'm working on multiple projects on my own. I am, uh, I mean, I'm running the Korean regime every, every issue uh, on my own. So the newest zine is coming out actually um, at the end of this month or in May, and it will be the, my 11th issue. And that would like have more updated, like my time period of like what it was like for me to pandemic time to live in pandemic times so that will include those kind of sad, but also. Like, I find it, like, sad but beautiful moments of, like, reflecting those moments. So that's, like, new zines that are coming up. Um, There are a couple, like, shows and events that I'm going. I'm working with uh, Korean American Artists Collective to to some workshops over the virtual workshops. Um, So that's some of the projects I'm working on.
0: Oh, I love it. Now, you know, this this came to mind, too, is that, it's been over 20 years since you've been here in the U.S. Do you now identify yourself as a Korean or a Korean-American? And would you, again, um, consider ever going back to live in Korea? Like This is like the really good question
1: and the question that I'm asking myself all the time. Um, I think culturally, I'm more Korean-American. I visited Korea, South Korea, after I adjusted my status for the first time in 17 years. And I don't know what I was hoping to find in my home country. I think some kind of peace of mind or like some kind of like, like, I don't know, like, like welcome back kind of thing. Like from who? I don't even know. I just, I just thought, I just had this. I always imagined what it would be like to go back to Korea. So I like waited for that moment. When I did went, I felt so not part of the. Culture or the country, and it felt very bizarre to have that experience, where I'm still a Korean citizen, and I have a hard time letting go of that. And I love seeing my Korean culture and traditions and all that, but also I struggle to identify as a Korean Korean person. I read newspaper in Korean, and that makes me feel like wow, I'm really Korean. But but it feels like but I'm very in in tune with the Korean-American issues and Korean-American communities. So it's hard for me to say. I've only recently thought about going back to Korea during pandemic. Honestly, it was just really hard to see a lot of Asian hate. And just seeing some people just deciding this after chasing American dream for many years, that they realize this is not the America that they dreamed of. They're going back to the country. I've seen it a lot, and I felt like that way too. But I also feel like I don't know how to let go of the the communities and work that I build in here. And so it's like, I don't know, I, just, I struggle with my... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's conflicting. I think it's challenging. I, you know, I was born and brought up in the US, but yeah, I, I can really resonate how you say there's that tie to the culture. Right. And I, and first of all, I have to commend you. I don't know how many people your age, probably, I shouldn't say it that way, but like, I, okay, let me rephrase it this way. In my generation, I feel like I'm one of the few people who can still read Hindi. And if I talk to a lot of people my age, they're not able to. So I love hearing that you can read Korean newspapers because I think that's such a part of our culture. But, you know, same thing, like when I go back and visit India, I'm looked at as a foreigner over there. I speak the language. I do everything, you know, and I love the culture. But I I can see that conflict now. You're actually born in Korea, so it's different for you. But um, I can imagine the struggle. But I feel at the same time... That there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty because you get to share this journey, and in a way, you kind of get to—I don't know—experience the best of both worlds, right? And not everybody gets to do that. If we can see it in a positive light. Yeah,
1: you know, that's that's a really beautiful way to look at it. I I definitely think that way. Although, like as I my Koreans are like like kind of. I feel like fading away because I'm not using it all the time. Um I do think that it's a strong tie that I have with my culture and I don't want to let go of it. And I think that's probably why I'm struggling. If I had, I wonder if I had spoken less Korean or if I'm not Korean fluent, it would be easier for me to like separate myself. But because there's something that that is, that I'm really connected to this. um, I, maybe it's harder for me to like cut off my
0: connection. <laughs> uh, no, I, Hey, I'm glad you know the language. I'm gonna have you come meet my nieces and nephews because they're half Korean and half Indian. We call them God, I want them to, to learn the Korean language. They're gonna they're gonna go actually visit Korea. So I'm really excited for them for the first time. Um, what messages would you like to share with our viewers today, whether it's on a personal or professional aspect? But what do you want to leave them with today? Oh, I
1: mean, there's so many. Um there's so many messages I want to give, but I think that the one that comes to my mind is the idea of like the things that matter to you are always going to be hard. Um, I think whatever that is, that if that matters to you, it it's it's natural that it's going to be hard for you and don't give up just because it's hard. <laughs> I, fi- I find my work, sometimes very very hard very draining and very like soul-sucking honestly (laughs) um because it's like really I feel really vulnerable and I feel very like um it's like it brings a lot of a feeling out of me whenever I make comic my own comic and it's it doesn't it's not easy work but because I find some kind of value in it and I know that this matter. And that's why it's hard. I've kept telling myself that um, it makes me like bounce back up and do work again. So if that's something's matter to you, it's, it's always going to be hard.
0: That's good. Well, and speaking of hard, as I was listening to you, I was just even thinking and, and looking at some of the topics again, that we had talked about that you cover like racism, sexism, immigration, mental health. I mean, those aren't, those are heavy topics. So then how do you decompress? Because you're incorporating these topics into your work. Not only have you, are they a part of who you are, but you're incorporating them. So how do you decompress then and find something that brings you joy or happiness?
1: Yeah, th- actually, this is going to be the second message I was thinking to decompress those thing. I feel like you always have to plan like BCD that that is not your main job but that also bring you joy i think that's really important to have that like for me i think that art is used to be my main thing and that was the only thing that was bring me joy but when i realized when art was not giving me that joy when art failed me which it does I felt, like I felt like I had nothing. So I had to build up my other muscles to find what else that brings me joy. For me, I love hiking. I love cooking. I love other things that bring me joy. Maybe not as equal as art, but like pretty up there that brings me that joy. So if I can't really be happy doing what I needed to do, I just go to those B, plan C, plan D. It kind of makes me feel like, I can come back to that, and I feel like non, non uh, the art those uh, experiences that is not artistic sometimes can help you to be a better artist. So I would say whatever that is not your main thing, maybe it's good to have like other source of joy that so you can come back and
0: uh, continue to do your work. And so I'm I'm so happy you mentioned that because I think especially when you work in this industry. As an artist, as a creative, it is so important, I feel, to have that balance. And, you know, there is that obsessiveness, obsessiveness when you are a creative, because we just get so sucked into that world. And so I'm so happy you mentioned that because I, I do think, yes, it is so important to separate that and find yourself outside of your craft, right? Don't let just the craft define. Um, who you are. Well, we are almost out of time here, so I'm just so grateful that you and I got to speak, and you shared so many beautiful nuggets. And again, thank you for being vulnerable and and sharing your journey because it's not easy sometimes to talk about this. And I know, especially in the Asian American community, talking about being undocumented, I think that's that's really important to let people know that they're not alone and and there is support out there. So I want to thank you once again. An Su Zhang for being our guest today and for joining me on today's show. And to learn more about her, uh, where can people go? Can you share your website or your social media handle and social media handle with us?
1: Yeah, um, my social media is koreangry. Uh, that's K-O-R-E-A-N-G-R-Y. I'm on mainly on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, and Twitter sometimes, but mostly my main work is um, Instagram. And you can also go to koreangry.com, which is my
0: store and the shop as well. Oh, I love that. Love that. And what are some things we can find in the shop? Yeah,
1: there's, there, there are a couple uh
0: cookie ones out there, um, but absolutely. And now we would also love to hear from you, our valued listeners. So feel free to share any suggestions you may have about future guests or topics. And don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And again, a reminder, Asian Pacific Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance a nonprofit that empowers our Asian and Pacific Islander communities with a voice through media arts. If you would like to support our program, please do visit us at asianpacificvoicesradio.com. I'm Rasha Gowal, and thank you once again for listening. Please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Pacific Voices Radio. Take care until then.